Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. Have you ever, ever wondered, wondered, wondered what it, what it, what it would it be like to see the evil man Well, Chris, guess what? People can. April 29th, 2022 at 9 p.m. at Comedy Bar in Toronto. That's right. For the first time ever, Chris Locke, James Hartnett, and Michael Balazzo will be recording an Evil Men podcast episode live on stage in the Comedy Bar main space. Of course, that is at 945 Bloor Street West, Toronto, and you can get tickets at comedybar.ca. Oh! That's Friday, April 29th, at 9 p.m. Evil Men Live! Live! Brought to you by The Bank. And we're rolling. Evil! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evil Man! And I'm Chris and I'm here with James and Mike. Hey Hey! Oh, hey Uh Great to be here. You guys are at my place tonight. Yes. And uh, we just put in a, an order for sushi. It's going to come soon. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Fish! It's funny. <laughs> this show is very mobile. Sometimes we record... At your place, sometimes mm-hmm. at Chris's place, sometimes on over Skype. Uh, you, you never yeah. know quite where we're going to record our show. Moving around. <laughs> well, it's almost like we're, um, if you could compare it to a sex life, we're very adventurous. <laughs> we're, yes. we're not afraid to bring in a new fantasy into the bedroom. Yes. This is just an, obviously an analogy for we're not afraid to record in different places, but if you're going to make an analogy I to... I got it, yes. We're not afraid to do it in the front or in the back. <laughs> or you could also say that we're like adventurous when it comes to eating, um, and we're always trying new meals, new cuisines, and new flavors. The other day I tried <laughs> some corn. <laughs> Like that. Yeah. Well, we've been that cramming. I don't know. I'm working on this SNL audition. Really? Yeah, that's, that's your that's main, my main audition? I'm leading with that guy. What's he called? Like <laughs> Dumb Bob or something? Or uh, Dumb Can- Canadian. I'm going to pander to the Americans to try and get on their show. Oh, good by idea. making fun of our people from our country. <laughs> our very not free country. Right, we're, yeah. We're in a communist, socialist country here, and they, we have no freedom. Anyways... The thing is, is we were cramming a bunch of episodes. This is our last one before you go on a big, long vacation right. around the world. You're opening a bar in <laughs> Casablanca. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to pursue my lifelong dream, but we've recorded enough episodes in advance that I can run the mm-hmm. bar in Casablanca for quite some time. But what I wanted to ask you guys is, while we've been cramming all these eps, yeah. um, do you find like... 
the increased intensity in our friendship and our closeness as friends. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting that we talk together very intensely for like, or recently for like 20 hours <laughs> in, a, in small rooms. I don't think a lot of male friendships work that way. So I, I, and I'm not complaining. I think it's great. Yeah, not classic male friendships. No way. <laughs> Usually a classic male friendship is you get together you, with you a friend. You just grunt to each other like Tim uh. Allen. You grunt, you scratch your crotch, and you point <laughs> at the football game and go, ooh. <laughs> yeah. uh. Classically trained male relationships. Yeah, you usually grunt, drink whiskey, smoke a cigar, wear a suit, wear a fedora. Yeah, and you time p- it so that you, you both have matching heart attacks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yay. You're my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that you're weak. Um, <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm going to be. I'm, it is hard. It is sort of strange to be uh, emotionally vulnerable to your to your male friends. I'm going to say it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's and this is a play, this is a show where nothing is off limits. That's true. Where there are no taboos, and that we encourage, <laughs> we encourage each other to to go there and reveal you know the deepest parts of our personalities. That's what. The podcast Evil Men is about truly nothing, uh, nothing out of bounds. But no, thank you guys because you guys have accommodated me by loading up a bunch of episodes so I can go on yes. a trip. So. We're locked and loaded, Captain Hartnett. So we shouldn't even. Miss, I don't think we'll even miss a week. But no. very nice of you. Now, James, uh, I know you don't want to talk about going on your trip. So yes, I have heard that, but I can't <laughs> resist asking you yeah. if you could tell us again the st- on on Mike yeah. the story about what happened to you when you were packing for uh, your uh, vacation. And I'm only being like mildly superstitious. I just want to talk about the trip when I'm back because it's such a pain in the ass to get everything ready to go and all these things that could go wrong. But James, I know what you mean. I liked being there first. And then, then say I'm here. I don't believe anything has happened to me in my life until after it has happened. Yeah. Same. And yeah. I know what you mean. Same. I didn't know you were so superstitious, but uh, listeners can't really. see this. But James is holding a giant four-leaf clover. <laughs> and I'm not making this up in his hand. And he's got a little vial, like a necklace with holy water yep. on it. Yeah. He's also got a bulb of garlic yeah. in case a vampire I always yeah, comes in one, the house. I always keep one uh, in the, in my cheek, in, inside my mouth. <laughs> You're kind of mixing up the vampire thing with the good luck well, thing, but it's, yeah. Yeah. No, well, you never know. <laughs> um, yeah, packing today, I'm packing like... Oh, let's put some in, in some short sleeve shirts for you're going warm weather. Hot weather. Somewhere warm. And I'm um, packing it up. And then, you know, it's a real bummer then when you start putting on these short sleeve shirts that are a little tighter. And now they are <laughs> too tight. And a uh, nice little self-esteem pick-me-up on your way on a long trip to realize you got a bit fatter. Uh, well, you know I- what? The pandemic has really dropped the hammer on all of us except for Mike. <laughs> it's so true two of my prime summer shirts i can't bring on the trip because they're too tight could you bring them to the tailor to have them let out a bit <laughs> well i'd like to believe i don't have to uh, but i i the first one i put on my I, summer shirts <laughs> taylor i know it's three in the morning i appreciate you having an emergency meeting have. with me but i need these taken out the tailor adds a whole another strip of fabric to the t-shirt that's like a, like the shirt's orange, but the fabric they, is this block of white with flowers on it. Yeah. Like, Honestly, the first shirt... Like how I, you make bell bottoms, you know what I mean? Yeah. The first shirt I put on, I did... I really went like, 
it might have shrunk. It might have shrunk in the laundry, mm. and then the sec- by the second shirt, I also went. I have been doing yoga. Maybe I got a little bit bigger, like in a good way. <laughs> you got, you got oh, a yeah. little bigger but from yoga. <laughs> I don't think that is what happened. Well, God I'm wearing a shirt that like I didn't think would fit me, and it's kind of snug, but it fits me. Well, right now, but I've been in the same position. It's, uh, it's uh, you know I've been overweight for years now, but also I put on definitely a lot this winter, and then I took off some, and so I'm trying to squeeze these old shirts back on. You well, know what? I bet a lot of our listeners can relate. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I'm saying. How it's many people are looking dude? are really rocking a shredded body right now? Among show you us. listening, show send us, us pics. Please show us, <laughs> right show us now. and send them to at Evil Men Pod <laughs> on Twitter or oh. Instagram. Um, well, James- just a bunch of real classically uh, secure uh, heterosexual men who are vulnerable with each other asking you to send us pics of your bod. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, can I? I, I have mm. noticed, and I, I hate to be that guy, but yeah. every time we record lately, you show up with a great big greasy bucket of KFC chicken. <laughs> that might have been it. You've also oh. usually got you bring a birthday cake uh, to the recordings, and you do not share mm. it. And I've got <laughs> one has to think that that is contributing to your shirt problem. Also, well, I've noticed nacho cheese Doritos dust all over the tip of your nose, <laughs> like a guy at uh, club uh, what is it called studio 54 oh but instead of cocaine yeah it's nacho cheese dust (laughs) (laughs) you know agree to disagree i i don't think that's if doing it i think it's like a seasonal thing i have Mm -hmm. i think i have seasonal affective disorder you know what james i definitely do my attitude is a hundred percent changed since it started getting brighter and uh oh my god and a bit warmer the hour is down in the dumps i know I mean, I don't want to be dramatic, but when that hour goes back, I'm ready to jump off, jump off a bridge. I know. When the hour yeah. goes back, I'll say it right here, I'm ready to jump off a bridge. And yet, conversely, when the hour goes forward, you've never seen a guy with a bigger smile on his face than James Hartnett. <laughs> you're skipping down the street going, ha ha, ha he. Yeah. And you're... Staying alive by the Bee Gees' <laughs> plan. Yeah. Yes. You're playing practical jokes and you're saying funny rhymes and it's... It's just yeah. nice to see. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's uh, nice of you Can you to do say. a couple of those rhymes right now for us? Get the uh, listeners excited for spring? Like one sure. of your happy rhymes. That Yeah, the happy ones you do when it's... Uh, um, hey, diddle, diddle, tippily tum. I hope we get to see good old Mr. Sun. I don't know. I'll say things like that walking down Bloor Street. Yeah. It's true. And people will like... And you have Spit a me- out their coffee. You have a megaphone too, so everyone I can do hear it. You have a megaphone and a unicycle, uh, <laughs> uh, a Segway unicycle. Yeah, and a red nose, clown nose on your nose. Yeah, and I'm dressed as Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, what time is your flight? If it flights at five p.m., so uh, I'll get a good sleep tonight, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but actually, you know what? I did. You have to take a COVID test yeah. to travel, and I did it just. I. I arranged so that we could record this after I get the results from my test yes. so that if you guys give me COVID now, I guess it won't matter because I already have the negative and, test. And you were very, I've never seen you so particular and so strict about COVID rules yeah. as the past three weeks. I mean, it makes where, sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. 
But I think the culmination of, because we were cramming all these episodes, was on the weekend, we recorded an episode outside on what mm-hmm. was supposed to be a very warm day. We planned it because, we oh, we can record it outside, it's yeah. safe, and yeah. it's like going to be 17 yes. Celsius. But what actually happened is we were on Chris's balcony, and it was not in the sun, and it was very windy, and it was in the shade. The temperature steadily dropped. <laughs> God, so cold. And but, so what yeah. it was was... Uh, you were also wearing a light jacket, <laughs> let it be known, and no gloves. It was supposed to be warm, but it's funny to think that we, Chris and I donated that and sacrificed that so that in two days you can be on a beautiful beach. Leaving I mean, us in the wait, dust. Wow, How can you a, never ask us generous, to go? What a generous, kind person. It's crazy I had to be outside one day so you could go on a trip. Fuck you. Are you kidding me? I would record outside so you could go on a trip. Like, what just, a bitter person. Just, no, no, no. Not bitter. Just the 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 gap between how cold we were. Oh, I and see. And then how you're going to be wearing one of your short shirts. Well, um, not now. You know, sunning yourself wherever you're going. The bitterness, um, if anything, is how come we can't go? <laughs> you can. <laughs> you can. We're not recording for the next... Three weeks. All right. I'll see you there. <laughs> sure. Do you want me to stay with you guys? I mean, you you can on a couch. Now. You, oh, sorry. Bruno the cat is just having a moment. Here. Bruno Gerusi. But honestly, <clears throat> you're going to have a great time. Thank um, you. And well, I, I, I mean, I appreciate you guys. I mean, letting me, letting us preload episodes. <laughs> I had a great time every time. Me too. As did I. I'm just. I thought it would be funny for the show to talk about. What is what is your pre-flight tradition or routine? Do you have some drinks before going on? Do you take a a sleeping pill or do you go in? Uh, as they say, like people make this joke on Twitter, like I'm oh, raw natural. dogging the plane, where you just go on without doing. Well, I'm. Anything. I it. Uh, I I hate always being. Like, it's not cool to always be neurotic about everything, but I do not love flying. No. And I probably will drink. We wish you, on behalf of the Evil Men show and all of our listeners, James, we wish you a pleasant and efficient and surprising flight. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, Uh, but thank you. Uh, I just mean, like, maybe there'll be a celebrity on board. Okay. Or maybe... I wonder who I'll sit next to. Oh, God. That's a big one. When you're, especially, it's going to be a long flight. Yeah. How long? Nine hours. Nine hours. So I'll be sitting there, and that's a big one when you see who comes in next to you. If it's a guy, you're yeah. like, oh, God, I don't want to sit next what to What is your this. nightmare oh, yeah. scenario? Who is the last person on earth that Honestly, you would want to sit beside a, you for I, nine I hours? I think a, a like 50 to 60-year-old male businessman. They're mm-hmm. not friendly. No. They're not going to like be charitable. They're not mm. going to be like, oh, no worries. You know, those are the, the meanest people. Mm, well, I will. I, I've flown a lot for oh, my business. Man, okay. Yeah. Because uh, I'm a touring stand up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So about three times a year, I go to a different Canadian city. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. For business. But like, yeah, for business. <clears throat> no, but I would say I know exactly who you're talking about. But they still have the flight etiquette. You know, uh, they keep they keep everything straight. You know, you're right. They're not they're cold, they're not friendly. Probably won't say a word to you all flight, which can be but good. But what as about well. that person who's aggressively trying to dominate the row? 
and like mm-hmm. doesn't care about your space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're they're bigger, so they've got these elbows jutting into you. Yeah, uh, that's not good. They're putting stuff on your lap that they don't want to <laughs> use at the moment, <laughs> like uh, Beano comics. <laughs> yeah. Or Mad magazine, their, their wash bag. Yeah. They blow their nose in a hanky and put it on your lap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't want that. Yeah, either. they're douche. <laughs> you know, and they put an old. They use a douche on the plane in the bathroom and then come back and put it. Yeah. They use your barf bag and their barf bag. <laughs> <laughs> they use everybody's barf bag. James, on the other end of the spectrum, what would you do if? And answer honestly. You're seated. The plane is about to take off, and there's like the last person gets on the flight and sits beside you, Claudia Schiffer. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Honestly, I mean, supermodel. Claudia I probably Schiffer. wouldn't even talk to her. I okay. try to make one comment if it was appropriate. Okay, like, I got well, another one. Dinner's actually not bad. I'd probably say that. Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, but if she was alive, imagine she's on your flight. Uh, yeah. She, um. Yeah, he's what about? Yeah. Cindy Crawford. Oh, I'd say, honey, have you got that mole checked? <laughs> oh, okay. What about Linda Evangelista? Mm-hmm. I w- we're both Canadians, so we'd have something to talk about. Is she the one in the November Rain video that, that marries Axl Rose and then everything goes to shit? And then uh, Slash stands on the piano and goes... <laughs> no, no, I know who that is. And I, I, that's a di- that was a different 80s, 90s uh, It's not Linda Evangelista? No, I, I think Linda Evangelista. Don't you know that you need somebody? Don't you know that you need someone? I like... Everybody needs somebody. It's good that... You're not... You're not the only one! <laughs> Man, he's a weird guy, eh? Axel? Yeah. Yeah, I went back and listened to Appetite for Destruction a while ago to see what does this album sound like decades later. And uh, what did it sound like? Some of the songs were really like hardcore, great punk rock and kind of rock tunes. But the content, he's a he is a uh, a hillbilly for sure. Every song is about like welcome to LA you're gonna be a prostitute like er, like at least seven of the songs on that album are about that the best songs are it's scary to drive on the highway yeah no but think about it rocket queen my michelle of course welcome to the jungle so it's like a farmer it's so easy a farmer's reaction to seeing the city is <laughs> guns and roses a hundred percent that's what i mean axel and then he had that controversy in lies 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 remember because he had that one he in a million, that song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, he, Guns N' Roses is 100% lyrical content, a hillbilly coming to LA and being like, oh my God, prostitutes, Beverly Hillbilly. Yeah, like like a montage of like all the seediness, yeah. like flying and fla- flashing in front of his mind. What was the deal with like... I'm pretty sure It's So Easy is a really good song, but the lyrics don't, they're not progressive at all. They're bad. And I'm pretty sure it's about being a pimp. And it comes right after Welcome to the Jungle, You're Gonna Die. And all this, you got to listen wow. to it. Re, re-listen to it. <laughs> so it was... For, that, for archaeologist uh, who are purposes. in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after Appetite for Destruction 2, was it that Chinese democracy, was there going to be their next big No, album? Use Your Illusion 2. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Appetite for Destruction is like their first one that 
everyone discovered them from. And then was it was because it was a thing for like twenty years, right? That like wait till Chinese democracy comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never listened to that. No, me neither. And I think <laughs> didn't he? It was all a totally different band except for Axel. And they Pretty had that guy much, Buckethead. Maybe Slash. Slash. They didn't even have Slash. I think they had a guy called Buckethead. Who, I, I think yeah. Axel Rose might be an idiot. The no. It's also the funniest <laughs> album title. It's like it's like a dumb guy's idea of what a smart. Like yeah, smart idea is like yeah. Whoa! Imagine this: Chinese democracy, <laughs> dry water. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He nice. It's like a clever oxymoron. Yeah, like a No Effects <laughs> album cover. They're always like punks and drublick, and you're like, oh yeah, drunks, and, <laughs> drunks in public or heavy petting zoo. Yeah. Right, like a petting zoo, but heavy petting. Blink one eighty two were the masters. Uh, yeah. Take off your pants and jacket. Yes. Yeah, Enema of the state. Yeah. Oh, now I heard diss. that all those album titles were actually written by Bruce Valanche. He <laughs> made a, a lot of money naming uh, pop punk albums, and yeah, yeah. they're very uh, um, Bruce Valanchean. Yeah. Did Bill Clinton? Did he ever make a statement about being mad about Enema of the state? Or anything like that? Um, uh, or like any kind of... Yeah. Anyone yeah, I, uh, re- connected I, to the White House? Yeah. I have not listened to Enema of the State. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't true, because we all know Bill Clinton had a um, like a skateboard ramp installed <laughs> in the basement of the White he House. probably did, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's why he went to St. James Island all those times. It's a really good skater like, yeah. place to skate. Well, I guess this is growing up. <laughs> Well, I guess this is growing up. Hillary, get in here. I want you to hear this amazing song. (laughs) Hillary, get in here. Tell everybody that we've never even had sex (laughs) once. I think it's it's great that we've moved from only referencing 90s music to just impersonating 90s politicians. (laughs) How about this? Uh, George George Bush, original George Bush. Yeah. You know, do the Dana Carvey version. That's what I was doing. <laughs> what would you do if President? Not gonna do it. Isn't that what Dana Carvey yeah, did? That Not wouldn't gonna be prudent. Do it. Wouldn't be prudent. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Can we talk about how crazy it is to wear a seatbelt in a plane? I mean, if it crashes, I don't f- think that's helping you. Beep beep. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you have your seatbelt on? <laughs> Fireball from the sky into a mouth. You're. <laughs> The airbag comes out in the whole plane. Yeah. What if you plus. crash and you have to start a civilization with the other people on the plane? Oh. What and if you crash on an island of of only women? Okay. What if you crash on an island full of trogs, one-eyed trog like troglodyte giants? And they and they carry clubs, mm. and uh, well, one actually, of them picks you up and puts you in their uh, loincloth, like and, you, and like makes you sit on their penis because uh. their penis is like the size of a horse to you. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I, I all I can say is I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but have you? But you guys haven't seen Yellow Jackets because uh, I saw the first app. Oh yeah. What I if mean, that happens to you? Whatever well, happens, I really hope not. This episode will truly be a dark. Uh, I, It'll get in more fact, downloads. I challenge you to, to release it. It'll get out. If, if, <laughs> if that happens, I dare you to release this episode. You guys are going to look like well, jerks. you need to <clears throat> travel with a note on your person, mm. letting whoever finds you. And I, I 
I feel like if anything happens to you, you're going to survive. But then the adventure starts. How do you survive? Where are you? How do we find you? Well, you've got street smarts, so that's that's true. Thing that you you definitely have street smarts. You're not afraid of pimps, drug dealers, (laughs) gang members. Not at all. What if you crash in the middle of a gang day. war in California? Well, I, I confront guys like that every, every day, so it won't be a problem. <laughs> I also am joking, James. There's no way. Your flight is going to be blessed. Thanks. You're going to safe travels, my friend. Thank you. It's just funny to imagine you having to find food on an island or something. And there's like some weird monsters at night that scare you. So, it is, you know, it is funny. Okay. It is funny. Well, I'm glad it's funny to you. Beep, beep. <laughs> Guys, before we move on to our topic, I should mention that we have a Patreon account. Ding, ding, <laughs> now boarding Patreon. I like that. Uh, folks, if you want, you can head over on the internet to patreon.com slash evilmen. And once you're there, you'll find a, a whole litany of exciting, fun things that you could enjoy. If you sign up, um, you get bonus episodes, at least two a week. We Woo! make that promise to you. Um, what else is on there? Interesting chats. No, not two a week. Sorry, two a month. Did my I say two God. a week? Oh a week ago. Work Maybe us to if the we damn... get really big. Yeah, work us to the bone. Uh, sorry, two a month. Uh yeah, so there you go. Patreon.com slash evilmen. And if you can't, if you could rate and review us, that'd be great. And now, Mike. Who, me? What you got for me? Tell us who's evil <laughs> on the tree. Yes, sir, Chris, <laughs> I'm about to do it. Sit on the couch oh, with God. friend James. I'm sorry. Oh, happen. come on. <laughs> I lost the... You could have at least gone come original. You got to come original. <laughs> so I am in charge of this week's episode. Uh, I'm the executive producer of this week's episode. Um, <laughs> Every time Mike does it, he in- insists on being called the executive producer. Yeah, well, it's he, a pay bump if yeah. you get that credit. And he gets his credit to show yeah. right at like a pivotal moment of the opening scene of the show. Yeah. So today's subject is a controversial musical act known for making terrible songs and doing just disgusting things on stage. Of course, I'm talking about uh, broken social... No, sorry, wait, I misread that. (laughs) The actual subject, it should have said G.G. Allen. Uh, G.G. Allen, Michael. uh, Notorious musical punk rocker G.G. Allen, who's sadly no longer with us. mm. Yeah, I will say that um, I'm... I don't know a ton about him, but I've read a little bit. And uh, coming into this episode, I don't like him. I think he's gross. So I know you. I've known so you I'm for prejudiced, a, I guess. Quite a while I've known you, and mm. I'm kind of surprised you weren't like a big Gigi Allen guy, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, and it's, but you know, people are don't judge a book by his cover, Mike. Right. But what is his cover? This is the thing, Mike. You know me. Yes. I'm an old school punk fan. I love punk yeah. rock music. Yes. I can talk you about love it. pooing for... on stage. That's the thing. With Gigi Allen, I was never really attracted to because I never even could get to figure out what he looked like officially because yeah. he was always, his face was always either covered in shit or blood. He was a guy who and made... And that's not cool to me. I'm not... I don't care about that. It makes Rivers me sick. Cuomo yeah. never covered his head in poo. <laughs> it sounds weird for an old punk rocker like me to say, ew, that makes me sick, but whatever, I man. feel that way, too. I'm willing to go in the bathroom direction, yeah. 
But everything I know about this guy, and you are a guy. So much of your life revolves around the bathroom. So if anyone's supposed to like Gigi Allen, it never ends with you two. But yet, no, Gigi Allen was so extreme. He he made prudes of even old school punk rockers like uh, Chris Locke or uh, James Hartnett. Mm -hmm. And why don't I give you just a brief introduction? Sure. Put Gigi Allen in context, okay? So, Kevin Michael Gigi Allen was an American punk rock musician and songwriter. He was best known for his controversial live performances, which often featured transgressive acts, including self-mutilation, defecating on stage, and assaulting audience members, for which he was arrested and imprisoned on multiple occasions. That sounds like a rockin' good time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, he, he, he was divisive. Let's put it that way. We're going to rock... Rock around the clock. <laughs> <laughs> well, one for the money. <laughs> two, um, two for the shit. Two for the shit. Three to get ready and fuck my own shit. <laughs> Sadly, like many rock stars before him, Gigi passed away of a drug overdose at the very young age of 36. Oh, oh my that is young. God. I hope it's young because uh, I'm older than it. Yes. Yeah, wow. yeah, we're all older than. Here's something. Uh, Want to feel old? That feel when you realize you're older than Gigi Allen, <laughs> right? Wow, I can't yeah. believe that you can live longer than 36 if you don't have sex with your own shit on stage. <laughs> 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 our, our Good thing our, I never got into that. Me neither, man. Yeah. So let's talk about the amazing early life of uh, Gigi Allen. Uh, he was born in Lancaster, New Hampshire in 1956. New Hampshire. John Irving country. Oh, I love John Irving. Uh, is that clam chowder? No, that's Massachusetts. But, but yeah. Mm -hmm. They Not, probably have clam chowder. Or... I bet. But when I read that, I was surprised because that is much more of a rural kind of sleepy area that he I didn't think. He was probably rebelling against it. Yes. I wish Gigi Allen were alive today. We could ask him if he had clam chowder. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll never he probably know. barfed it up and smeared it on something. <laughs> probably barfed it up and shot it with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you're saying, Mike. You, you assume this guy's from uh, New York or something. Yeah, or I mean, he passed away. Detroit, or, yeah. I don't know. But sometimes people that are from the sleepiest towns have to get out and live the loudest. Yeah, and really make uh. something of themselves. <laughs> like or Gigi make Allen. something yeah. happen on stage. So he had a unusual... Like beginning an unusual chaotic childhood. His birth name, swear to God, this is a fact. He his birth name was Jesus Christ Allen. That is what his parents named him officially, and he was given that mm. name because his father Merle Allen Senior was a abusive and very religious man who had claimed that while his wife was pregnant, uh, he'd seen a vision of Jesus and Jesus fly into her belly. Yeah, well, he said that Jesus had told him that his newborn son would grow up to be a great man like the Messiah. Boy. Oh, well, I... <laughs> there are a few differences. Now, one of the most obvious differences is that Gigi outlived Christ by three years. Oh. There were a few other differences between Gigi Allen and Jesus Christ as well, though, mm -hmm. which we will soon get into. <laughs> yeah. He got the nickname Gigi. Uh, because during his childhood, his older brother, Merle Jr., uh, who also mm. went on to play bass in his band, The Murder Junkies, nice. Merle was unable to pronounce Jesus properly and called him Gigi, which became his nickname, Gigi. Oh, my God. So his older brother couldn't pronounce his name. No. 
Well, that's a good point. That is a little weird. They weren't. It's like eighteen. Yeah. Well, it was. They were. They weren't a very privileged uh, pair of brothers growing up. Yeah. They grew up in poverty, believe it or not. Uh, Sounds like a story of a lot of people that kind of go the wrong way, doesn't it? It certainly does. The, it's uh, nothing to laugh at, to be honest. No. And I would actually uh, ask of you guys, please, if you could respect the G.G. Uh, Allen's background and make the rest of this episode very solemn and serious. Yeah, let's make another... We've done this before. Let's make a pact to be serious for this episode, okay? <sighs> So, Gigi, the the Allens uh, lived in a a log cabin in rural New Hampshire with no running water or electricity hey, just or like, toilets, just like Sydney Gottlieb last week. Just like Sydney Gottlieb, yes, and, and the, the Unabomber. There was, there was no toilet. Yes, the Unabomber, Sydney Gottlieb, Gigi Allen. They're all part of uh, a fun uh, club, the Cabin <laughs> Club. Yeah, we are the Cabin Boys. <laughs> all right, next be our, new, our meeting tonight. Uh, Gigi, we got you here. Uh, Sydney Gottlieb, the creator of MK Ultra, we've got you. <laughs> Uh, Gigi, didn't you have a a plan for everybody's cabin on where to install a toilet? Uh, actually, no. <laughs> I don't believe in those things. <laughs> the world is my toilet. Um, <laughs> his father, Merle, was, as I said, he was an abusive religious fanatic who had a reputation for threatening his family with, with murder, and he sometimes uh, would, was known to dig graves in the cellar and threatened that he was soon going to put his family's bodies in the graves. So Gigi Allen's... R.I.P. Dad yeah. is the evil man. I mean, it seems like he wasn't a great guy. He's almost like, the, um, you know, Brian Wilson's father was abusive as well. And then Brian Wilson turned that pain into amazing music. It's the exact same thing with Gigi Allen and his father. Did Gigi Allen have a pet sounds? Yes. Uh, he did. Say or was it called ass sounds? Ass sounds. Um, I'm sorry. But I don't get it if I'm his my- dad was really religious well, i don't understand why uh why he would also threaten to murder his family I yeah think was, i do have sympathy Ill, perhaps. i do oh, have okay. sympathy for yeah. gg allen at this moment i'm not joking because his dad sounds like the exact type of character that would make like a ed gein a, yeah or make yeah. a son who would end up like he sounds like ed gein's everywhere. mom yeah you know yeah. that guy is i want to do an episode about him anyways well so gg he sounds like what james like Sorry, he Mike. would end up raising a son who would be the kind of guy who'd wipe his poo all over a stage. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you grow crazy? up in that kind of environment where it's like I'm going to murder you and put you in this hole in the basement right, and then go to Wall Street and just be like a you know? It's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> uh, after his uh, when he was asked about his chaotic and violent childhood, Gigi said that he was actually glad. That he experienced such hardships because, quote, it made him a warrior soul at an early age. So he, that's a classic example. I like this. He's an optimist. He takes some lemons that life gives him. He puts those lemons up his ass. <laughs> he throws them at the audience and some sort of lemonade is made. Um, in 1980, in, sorry, in 1961, Gigi's mother, Arlita, couldn't take it anymore. She filed for divorce from Merle Sr. as his mental instability uh, kept getting worse. And to do a favor to her son, she changed uh, Jesus Christ's legal name to Kevin Michael during his first year of school to to protect him from being bullied and and mocked for being at school. Like, everyone, here's your new classmate, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. Right? I I think that's a good idea. So, yeah. Mom, mom, one point for mom, zero points for dad right now. 
Gigi, believe it or not, he was a poor student in school. Hmm. He uh, was placed in special education, and he had to re- repeat the third grade. Uh, that's bad if you're repeating uh, the third grade, I guess. that's It's pretty remedial. I mean, what, are you even getting into multiplication at that point? Uh, Please, teacher, pa- let me pass. I swear, I, I, I do know the difference between blue and red. <laughs> I had yeah, a like, friend that had to repeat test? grade two. Exam? You're not... Oh, shit. You had a friend repeat grades here? I thought you said you did. No, I... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. I thought I just was really mean to you. Oh, shit. No, I I don't know if I could say he turned out well or not. Mm -hmm. I haven't talked to him in a long time. But I remember being a kid and asking him why he had to do grade two over again. Mm. And he said it was because his desk was messy. (laughs) Uh, there's sign A why you probably had to repeat grade two. You don't know what the hell's going on. I'm sure my math textbook is in here somewhere, teacher. Just give me a moment. <laughs> is that a frog? <laughs> oh, this Rip- mess will be the death of me. Oh, yeah, Tom Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad making fun. I mean, you know, if you have a learning disability, then I'm sure yeah. it happens all the time. And um, if uh, I'm already on the side that, yeah, Gigi Allen did not grow up to be... <laughs> A good person, for, per se, but his dad is really bugging me right now. Yeah, Merle really? Sr., okay. we think yeah. you stink. According to Gigi's older brother, Merle, Gigi experienced bullying by fellow students for nonconformity, and in his second year of high school, he began attending classes uh, cross-dressed because he was so inspired by the New York Dolls, the glam uh, band, the New York Dolls. That's not that bad. No. I mean, that's not bad at all. Their no. first album's awesome. Oh. <laughs> no. I thought you meant cross-dressing. Oh, no. <laughs> I just mean like the music he's into. He's I mean, in the, the New 70s, York Dolls. Like, gla- it was yeah. a gla- like Bowie. We could cut Mark, that. Mark so Bolin. Bowie, Sorry. Mark Bolin. Glam time. You know, a lot of uh, gender-bending fashion was happening at the time. In the, but I mean Gigi's being cool at the time. Yeah. In the documentary Hated, which was directed by Todd Phillips, and we'll get to in more detail later... Uh, Gigi's high school buddies talk about how uh, Gigi, as a teenager, didn't drink or do drugs at all until one night when one of them slipped a tab of acid to him without him knowing, and he had an intense, all-night, violent, and naked freakout. Well, not to bring it back to last week's episode, but... Mm-hmm. like for Which the will love- be the week after this. Right, but they don't know that. Time We don't really need to. Fluid. But... Don't sneak somebody acid. Like, maybe that ruined his life. Like, maybe that really ruined him. His brain. Who knows? I mean, maybe to a person who was already in a bit of a fragile mental state, that was the last thing he needed. Maybe it pushed him over the edge. But anyway, at this point, Gigi is into music. He's sort of an outsider. He doesn't fit in anywhere. But his one passion, the one thing he loves most in the world is music. His earliest musical influences. Now, this was surprising to me. If you've heard any of Gigi Allen's music, you wouldn't think that his earliest musical influences were the British invasion groups like the Dave Clark Five. <laughs> and Wikipedia says Mott the Hoople, which were more of a glam band in oh, the early yeah, 70s. The videos song. and stuff I've heard of from Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies... Uh, <laughs> I could never fathom that they were influenced by music at all. <laughs> Anything, yeah. Uh, he was, though, and this makes sense. I, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to get killed by hardcore punks. Hardcore punks are going to get us. Uh, this makes more sense. He was also heavily influenced by Alice Cooper. And if you think of the theatrics right. of an Alice Cooper show where he yeah. would get uh, beheaded by a guillotine or he would uh, like kill a baby or... Take a shit. 
<laughs> throw shit at the audience. During- Alice Cooper would pretend to kill a baby? <sighs> well, during the Billion Dollar Babies tour, there was something about, like, I don't know if he would kill a baby, but he would be uh, often executed. He would be beheaded or hanged. And they're often weird things of like fucked up dolls and babies. Remember when a giant gun fell on Marilyn Manson? Yes, that was funny. I really think that's so funny. (laughs) I'm scary. Scaring you. Oh, help me. (laughs) That gun really hurt. A giant symbol of violence hurt my back. (laughs) The beautiful people. Which doesn't have enough ribs because I removed them to suck my own dick. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, <laughs> I just added a... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's karma for you, Mr. Manson. Yeah. So He'll G- sue us. Yeah. He's suing all his accusers right now or whatever. Oh, boy. Um, Gigi's earliest uh, recorded musical endeavors were... Uh, he was a drummer. He was a... You know, just so like Phil Char- Collins. Charlie Watts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Keith Moon. Patrick Wilson. Yeah. He also wrote most of uh, the song, his original songs on acoustic guitar. So he's a multi-instrumentalist, sort of like Geddy Lee, who could play bass and keyboard and mm-hmm. sing at the same time. Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be shit, men. <laughs> In Gigi's mid-teens, he and his older brother Merle, um, who played bass guitar, formed their first band called Little Sister's Date, which lasted for like a year. They covered Aerosmith and Kiss songs. Huh. So, so far, he's... Pretty averagely, you know, into the contemporary mainstream rock. Mainstream Sweet rock, a little outside. Yeah. But then, nineteen seventy-six comes. Year zero, punk rock hits the scene. Yes. <laughs> CBGBs, the Ramones, Blondie, Talking Heads, all of the scariest <laughs> bands. <laughs> Thus, hello, we are the Sex Pistols, and we are about to change everything you know. <laughs> So both Gigi and his brother Merle uh, became obsessed with punk rock. They loved the Ramones and the Stooges. And that makes also Alice Cooper and Iggy Pop, especially you can see as uh, influencing Gigi's performance style, Iggy, of course, known for yes. getting almost naked, cutting himself with glass, writhing around, putting peanut butter Smearing all over him. Smearing peanut butter all over his body. Ugh. Iggy Pop, we're finally, okay, I can see he's like, I love Iggy, but I need to go a step further. There, yeah. And what if peanut butter was shit? <laughs> what if he was Gigi Allen had a chalkboard? He was working out the equation. It was like peanut butter equals <laughs> like yeah. uh, Matt Damon and Goodwill <laughs> yeah. Hunting. He finally stumbles upon the answer. It's like how do you sh- like them, Road Apple? The equation for shitting on yourself and throwing it at the audience, <laughs> um, and then equals punkist. <laughs> but Iggy Pop would cut himself with glass, too. and he would antagonize. He self harm. He would really? harm himself. He would antagonize the audience to the point. There's like a live album, Metallic K. Where for some reason they recorded a live album at a biker bar and the bikers fucking hated Iggy Pop and you can hear him get into a fight and like get beat up by bikers and like you hear bottles crashing around him and stuff. Don't hit me. But he does do yeah. I didn't know. I really like the Stooges and Iggy Pop. Yeah. And Iggy Pop was a total like scary freak, but no matter what, if it's Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Jim Morrison, Iggy Pop, Gigi Allen truly, when he hits his stride, goes beyond and above and further than anyone maybe need to go as a uh, taboo-busting, transcendental, like, punk rock performer. Anyway, we're not there yet. But maybe he was obsessed with the purity of punk rock. He was, because he, he also wrote a manifesto. Okay. 
when he was 35 where he was mad at bands for being phonies. Um, and that was still his mentality at that point. But oh, I'll, I'll get to that okay. in a bit. Right. So in, from 1977 to 84, uh, he fronted a band called The Jabbers. And their their debut album Sounds was, like an improv troupe. Hello, we're The Jabbers. Yeah, Jibber Jabbers. Give us a, a non-geographical location and a place to for us to shit on and throw it at. <laughs> um, the... Uh, their debut album, The Jabbers, was called Always Was, Is, and Always Shall Be, and Gigi considered that to be his pet sounds. He was asked, like, what is your, what is your favorite, what is the best example of a record of yours? What is your favorite record? He said it was this one. Uh, however, tensions within The Jabbers mounted as Alan grew more uncontrollable and uncompromising and, and violent, and sadly, The Jabbers disbanded in the spring of 1984, uh, a year that might ring some bells if you like to read books. Oh, that oh, makes Jurassic sense. Jurassic Park. <laughs> so after the Jabbers, Alan fronted a bunch of different acts throughout the 80s with names like the Cedar Street Sluts, the Scum Fucks, and the Texas Nazis. Hmm. His performances in Manchester, New Hampshire with the Cedar Street Sluts earned him the nickname the Madman of Manchester. So he's starting to really put together a wild stage act. And of course, this is, yeah, Manchester, New so Hampshire, not the Jabbers, UK. he wasn't going as hard on stage i don't think so no okay and of course just a reminder to listeners he was the madman of manchester uh new hampshire not uk the madman of manchester uk was probably like morrissey or something very different Hmm. i think it was steve coogan steve coogan so he's plodding along not really standing out at this point um, by the mid to late 80s, he was also an alcoholic and drug addict. His career wasn't really taking off the way he'd hoped. But then, a moment of inspiration and epiphany. Inspiration struck, and he made it a decision that would guarantee him musical fame for eternity. And that decision he made was, what if I pooed on stage and threw to the crowd? This is <laughs> No one's ever done that before. No, and this, this is like one of those moments in music history that really changes the game. It's like when Dylan went electric <laughs> or when Michael Jackson introduced the moonwalk. Yeah. <laughs> the moonwalk does look like you're wiping poo off your shoes. Ow, True. Get off. Get off. Um, so he, he first, this, this is documented, Gigi Allen first defecated on stage in 1985 at a show in Peoria, Illinois. Congrats to Peoria, Illinois. There's a plaque there or on the town sign when you drive in. <laughs> you put on a VR goggles and you can see the event <laughs> happening. I think it's also mentioned in uh, We Didn't Start the Fire. Um, <laughs> according to a fellow punk musician named Bloody Mess, uh, Bloody Mess witnessed the first defecation. He said, quote, I was with him when he bought the X-Lax. Unfortunately, he ate it hours before the show, so he constantly had to hold it in or he would have shit before he got on stage. After he shit right. on stage, complete chaos broke out in the hall. All the old men in charge of the hall went fucking nuts. Hundreds of confused punk kids were flipping out, running out the door, because the smell was incredible. Huh. Incredible. <laughs> Interesting choice Maybe, of words. Yeah, I would have said terrible or something. but I... It was incredible, man. You should have been there last <laughs> night. 
That smell was incredible. According to Bloody Mess, the smell of shit was incredible. (laughs) Hello, I'm from uh, (laughs) from Capitol Records. I'd like to give you my card. That that thing you did last night was incredible. We'd like to sign you. (laughs) What year was that? 1984. 1985 is when you shit. Okay, so you're back to the future. Yeah, it's me, Johnny Carson. I've heard. uh, I saw your. I happened to be in New Hampshire last night, and I saw your show. I think it'd be great for the Tonight Show. Defecation at this point became a regular part of Gigi's stage act. So he's always, you know, uh, some bands, their writer is like, you know, we want bottled mm-hmm. water, maybe yep. some beer. M&M's. And ms mm-hmm. He's got, give me some X-Lax. And, yeah. You know, um, he started performing either wearing just a jock strap or completely naked. Compared to other extreme rockers, this was literally scary. Not even Iggy Pop had had thrown his own feces at the audience. Not even the Sex Pistols or Ozzy Osbourne had done anything uh, quite so extreme. I really wish he was still alive so we could go catch one of his shows. <laughs> and catch one of his shits. <laughs> now, I sent you guys some Thank pictures you. and videos of him performing naked. We love you. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> one thing we all remarked on, and this is, if you've seen pictures of Gigi uh, Allen before, is for a guy who insisted on performing naked, he wasn't exactly uh, Tommy Lee in the <laughs> pants department. Oh. <laughs> Was he? Yeah, Mike sent us a photo, and yes. Uh, sure. How would you, you know, describe his well, genitals? Nub-like. Like a button? They're not, he doesn't have a big penis. And no shame on that. No shame in his game. No. But um, yeah, it's true. He owned it. That's part of the, uh, you know, waving, waving. I don't think that thing waved around, but. It peaked. It peaked out from the nervous. bush. Yeah. Having something like that peek out of your bush on stage... I'm scared. ...is punk. I guess it is. It's like a I don't give a fuck. I mean... That's true. Truly... I mean, it literally is, but it's also wild that he did that. Like, And also, if you're a guy listening to this, if you have any doubts about your own body, a good pick-me-up, take a look at a picture of naked Gigi Allen, you'll feel like a million bucks. (laughs) (laughs) The ghost of Gigi (laughs) Allen is going to shit on you. Does does Gigi Allen have big fans? Are they going to hate this? Not... I don't think so. People understand that we're like, yeah, not into his vibe. Yeah, I. What I do wonder though is when you see because he was not blessed in the penis department. Was this possibly also the cause of his behavior? Was he so angry at God or the world for or, wiener? Yes, could be. Well, I would say it didn't help. Yeah, I guess it didn't help. That's the thing. <laughs> it didn't benefit him. Because you, you, I would put it maybe to do, it sounds like, maybe with his father. But I guess you're right, Chris. But I've heard that, you know, because I've, I've, I've watched the... Uh, I know you haven't mentioned it yet. Should I, can I say? Or, I've watched the Geraldo episode of right. Gigi Allen before. I've read little stuff about him. Because like I say, I do like punk and, you know, all that stuff. Obviously, Gigi Allen was too out there for me whatever it's all good if some people liked it but i heard <laughs> it's not all good if some people liked it actually because some of the stuff he did was really bad as you're getting to it but i heard that he would make fans like give him like oral on stage and I mean, he was generally abusive he would so what would the uh, yeah. thing we're talking about would it get aroused, or would it be that image get being? Uh, it sounds like a paradox. Filated. Yeah, I don't know what. It sounds like a paradox that rips a hole in the space-time <laughs> continuum if someone tries to suck it. <laughs> it 
sucks you in. You get sucked yeah. into his body. Whoa, I suck you. What's happening to me? <laughs> but, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm trapped in Gigi Allen's ass. <laughs> it's a portal to becoming his own shit. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Beep, beep. <laughs> um, so now that he's, he's pooing... He's got his hot band together. It's all come together for him, right? Can't you see I'm pooing? Yeah, he's really making something of himself finally. He's got growing notoriety, and he gained even wider attention in 1987 with the cassette-only release of the album Hated in the Nation, which was a collection of old songs, old classics, along with new material. And this is interesting. New material where he was backed by an all-star band featuring... Jay Maskus of Dinosaur Jr. on lead guitar and Bongwater record producer and musician Mark Kramer on bass. Chris, you're a big Dinosaur Jr. fan. Did you have mm-hmm. any idea that um, Jay Maskus had played briefly with Gigi Allen? I actually didn't. But I know that Jay Maskus is still, to this day, a massive punk fan. And whatever city it seems like Dinosaur Jr.'s in, like... If an old punk hero is from that town, they'll join them on stage and stuff. But really? why so, did he play with Gigi Allen? And who are the other people in the band? Um, so uh, the guitarist, uh, oh, sorry, the bass player on this album was Bong Water record producer, musician Mark Kramer. Thurston Moore, also brief from Sonic Youth, had played with yeah. Gigi Allen. And also Dee Ramone briefly played with him. And Dee Allen, a like 30 year junkie, even found being around Gigi Allen to be too scary and erratic, and he quit wow. the band after a week. Yeah. Maybe it was like these guys, like, oh, this is the young, like, crazy guy. Like, it's almost so a bit of crazy. I would actually see Jay Maskus and Thurston Moore doing it as like an ironic. Well, it's like gag it is not almost. too far away from performance art. Like, yeah. you know, and there is a quote from Jay Maskus. Where he he was asked by uh, Uncut Magazine, like, why the hell did you? That's play? the um, non, uh, anti-circumcision magazine, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't subscribe. Yeah, I do. Uh, Jay Maskus <laughs> was asked, "Why the hell did you play with Gigi Allen?" And he said, "Yeah, I was I was excited to do it until the reality set in. Uh, I often thought it was kind of like how Kurt Cobain must have felt about Courtney Love, uncharitable. It's like this punk idea that seems cool till you're doing it." You like Gigi Allen in theory, but when you, you're beside him and he's actually shooting on stage and you're standing there, it's not fun and you think, wow, this is a bad scene. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Wow, what a quote. Because I feel like both him and Thurston have a wry, uh, like ironic punk mm. sense of humor. Right. Mm. But you're right. Like once you're actually in the shit, yeah. you're like, oops. Yeah, like joking about a guy doing that is one thing and then actually looking at some dude bent over and pooing. It's like, yeah. and he's I'm not going like, to have a beer a- with this guy after. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to go on a tour bus with him. Usually after a like- show, we like to get tacos together across the street, but yeah, well, this guy's fucking he, psycho. He pooed all over my vintage Big Muff guitar pedal and my vintage <laughs> Rickenbacker guitar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. 
So God, God <laughs> damn it, Gigi! There's a turd in my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> For shit all over my face, Gigi! <laughs> you put your shit on my face. <laughs> oh, after this song, I'm leaving. For a guy who was terrible <laughs> at music, Gigi Allen recorded uh, prolifically. The website All Music says he made at least 22 studio albums, boy, more boy. than the Beatles, more than Michael Jackson, more than Nirvana. Uh, and there's nice. a bunch of live recordings and compilations and bootlegs that are always being put out. I looked up Gigi Allen Records on eBay. They go for much more than you would expect, but almost as if like novelty. Yeah, like you'd be kind of thing you have in your record collection as a bit of a joke. And I, guess. I don't think they were pressed in huge numbers, so they're mm. rare. And anyway, mm-hmm. um, his main band w- were the Murder Junkies with his brother Merle playing bass. But he also recorded with bands uh, with names like the Holy Man, Bulge, the AIDS Brigade, Anti Scene, and the Scum Fucks. Mm-hmm. He recorded some spoken word <laughs> albums as well. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, like, just sitting on a. I guess he would never sat on a toilet. No. no. So, uh, spoken word. Spoken, All like, right. like, sort of like Henry Rollins did that. Yeah. Um, Jello you Biafra. said he had a manifesto. What's that? You said he had a manifesto. Yes. So, we'll if he that. did spoken wordy type stuff, or what he what he sang about was that were those themes in his spoken word and like lyrics and stuff? Like, what well, was he kind of like promoting? The same kind of anarchy ethos all the time. From what I can tell from his lyrics, that they were pretty self-referential about how he hated everybody. Everybody hated him. He was going to destroy everybody, and he and that he didn't care. And that seems to be he probably cared a lot. And he and coming yeah. from the home that he came from, he was probably actually really hurting for some good old-fashioned love and affection. <laughs> but don't you find that people that are missing that kind of parental love and affection and support? are the ones that uh, shit all over the place and say, I don't care the most. Like Nelson Muntz from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't, he wasn't just... Um, <laughs> oh, I'm shaking my head at the, 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 the content life of, of the, the story. Not, I do not apologize you. to listeners. Oh, okay. I did become nauseous three or four times while researching this, especially while watching the documentary about him. Um, Gigi wasn't just a punker, though, or a spoken word guy. He also uh, recorded Liked reggae. <laughs> you know, country music. Oh. Um, he idolized Hank Williams and saw himself as a kindred spirit. And just like this Jesus thing, I'm like, hmm, I guess there are some similarities. Um, mm-hmm. Both were loners and outsiders and used uh, drugs a lot. Uh, but only one of them, of course, routinely shat himself on stage. Um, <laughs> so one thing that made seeing a Gigi Allen show even more exciting than his crazy behavior was the fact that in 1989, he wrote a letter to the punk rock fanzine Maximum Rock and Roll. And he announced that he was going to k- uh, kill himself on stage uh, on Halloween of 1989. That's crazy. And then, unfortunately, he was in jail when Halloween 1989 happened. So he said, I'll do it in 1990. He was in jail again. 1991, he oh was in jail. Oh, my goodness. And then people started saying, you're, you're not really going to kill... You're all full of, you're full of beans, Gigi Allen. And he was like, you'll get it when you get it. You don't deserve it yet. Uh, and he mm-hmm. claimed he was going to wait until he was at the peak of his powers before he finally killed himself. He was going to kill himself when everybody deserved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at this point... It's a hard thing to work forward to. <laughs> yeah, but people would go thinking, like, this could be the night we see the craziest thing ever, a guy killing himself. And mm-hmm. his performances were getting more uh, violent. He would, you know, damage venues. Police often stopped 
shows after only a few songs. How many times was he arrested? He claimed on one of the talk shows I watched that he'd been arrested 50 times. Um, that makes sense. So how did he not stay in jail? Well, he did a 60... Model prisoner. <laughs> he went to jail <laughs> Worked in the library. A yeah. bunch of times. He did His longest stretch uh, was in 1989 for 16 months after he uh, badly assaulted a woman in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And he was just full of violence. Like his stage shows, he would cut himself. He would punch audience members. Uh, he and he also, would punch uh, women? Like when you say assault... Women, is... men, punch people. Mm-hmm. He would pull them on the stage... Uh, he was naked. But they would, went to the show knowing that that was going to happen? Sort of knew or? He also, okay. though, uh, at one incident, he smashed the microphone into his face so hard that he broke six of his own teeth. Want to know a funny story Ouch. really quickly? I think he's... Yeah, he didn't... He was upset. Um, brief funny story. Mike was at this show. One time I went to L.A. and a friend got me like a, a, a spot on like a, a sort of you know exciting show to do mm-hmm. and i was like oh my gosh this is like a neat opportunity for was it me like meltdown or something uh something like that and not that but something like that and uh heroin a uh, good heroin <laughs> no no but i don't know give a shout out to some no friends. no absolutely um but so i'm like kind of nervous and like oh i really want to do a good job you know and then i go out to the stage and i <laughs> i tried to pull the microphone out of oh, the microphone shit. stand and it i was nervous and it was stuck, and I yanked it, and then it came free, and I whapped myself right in the lip with the microphone. Did it start bleeding? It did a little bit on stage, but it was tiny, like mm-hmm. not. I, I kept you couldn't going. tell. You couldn't tell. But you bleeding. did see me smash. Did my people face laugh with at it? Like, I think they needed to make sure I wasn't going to panic and run off. Was like, it the Tomorrow Show? No, it was something called Fresh Out or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah, but. Um, but everyone in the crowd was like, oh, is this the new Gigi Allen? <laughs> so back to Gigi Allen here, who is the topic of the, this week's episode of Evil Men. Um, with all of the infamy and arrests and, and press like uh, stories, he was suddenly uh, getting sort of well-known in mainstream society. He was infamous enough that he started getting invited onto talk shows. And this is during the era when daytime talk shows were truly trashy. So he, he did Geraldo. Uh, he did Jerry Springer and a show called The Jane Whitney Show. Uh, and that interview was his last interview of his life. Uh, and he was very aggressive with the audience. He said that he wanted uh, to commit suicide and take his fans with them. Said that he that parents no longer had control of their kids because they, they all were under his spell. Not, not really true. Not exactly Dean Martin. Not Dean Martin. Uh, He also, on TV, stated that at the age of 35, he could sleep with 12, 13, and 16-year-old girls, boys, animals, and claimed that he uh, raped both men and women at his concerts. He also did this while wearing a Nazi helmet. Okay. Right. I forgot about that. These are all things that, you know, if this came up in a job interview, you're not getting the job. I mean... Don't wear the Nazi helmet. Yeah. Um, Were you wearing a Nazi helmet when you smashed your face at the <laughs> L.A. show? Think, no, I think it was uh, Prussian. So it was Germany, <laughs> well, the pointy, but, it was, yeah. Yeah, but it, was, yeah. it was the pointy hat one. Now, it was World War I. Uh, in, in 1989, Gigi was finally arrested and charged uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He was charged with assault with intent to do great bodily harm, less than murder, to a female acquaintance. Um, he was psychologically evaluated as part of the trial. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And he was judged as having at least average intelligence, so that's, that's good, <laughs> and was described as being, quote, courteous, cooperative, and candid. Um, well, 
Yeah, so that's good. The um, you're on courteous, cooperative, and candid camera. <laughs> the evaluator <laughs> said that he did not appear to be psychotic, and seemed comfortable with his unorthodox lifestyle. Um, but he was dependent on alcohol and had a mixed personality disorder with narcissistic, borderline, and masochistic features. So isn't that not, like, normal? <laughs> I assume that, to, I mean, you'd think that they would give him some treatment, whether he would have uh, taken it or not. Who knows? But mm-hmm. anyway, he got 16 months. He would have at least secreted it. He would have secreted it, excreted it, yeah, and then thrown it. <laughs> um, he got 16 months in prison. Secrete? Excrete? Repeat. All to the beat. <laughs> <laughs> That's my rock and roll credo. <laughs> During his time in prison, um, this is an odd thing. He started feeling re-energized about his life and mission, and he wrote something called the Gigi Allen Manifesto in jail. Uh, I read Here it we go. online. You can read it. Uh, it's an incoherent screed where he like rails against mm-hmm. uh, conformity, disses uh, Guns N' Roses, Iggy Pop, and the Ramones for being phonies, and talks about making rock music truly dangerous again. And yeah, you're sh- obsessed with shit. It's very punk, but also <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like yeah, fecal fantasies doesn't make the world dangerous. It just makes you dumb and gross. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's also funny that he wrote this manifesto in 1989 when he was like 35 years old. Right, where he's like the Ramones and Guns N' Roses are fakers. I'm the only real guy. I'm yeah. making rock and roll dangerous again. It sounds like a 15-year-old Yeah, I guess yes. it's a Boy. bit embarrassing that you're... He should have been looking for a partner to <laughs> plan the rest of his life with. Yeah. And settle down and have kids or and have a house. what his career might be after music. You know, you can't necessarily yeah. do it forever. Well, he could Woodworking. Like, uh, accountancy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Toilet Teaching. making. Go back to co- a teacher's college. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Plumber, he likes. He gets to work with something yes. he loves, mm-hmm. <laughs> and steady paycheck. <laughs> yeah. So he's out of prison in 1991. <laughs> he skips parole and he agrees to be the subject of a documentary by a young uh, New York filmmaker named Todd Phillips. Ring any bells? The Joker. The Joker. The Hangover. Oh my gosh! Is this not the inspiration for the Joker? Then so there are. You can see articles online about, like, mm-hmm. um, to truly understand Todd Phillips, the Joker, you must go back to his uh, early documentary about Gigi Allen, where you see oh, some uh, people have already another film that. about, uh, uh, you know, a societal outcast who mm. turned his wrath yeah. on people that didn't understand him or whatever. Yeah. The similar enough characters, but I don't know, uh, I don't know what, what you learn from that. There was no, like, actual Batman. There's no Batman. I guess, right? No Batman. There's no... Uh, um, did you watch the Joker? I did. Yeah, it's not the, There's no know. Commissioner Gordon in the Gigi Allen film. Anyway, I thought it was fine. Yeah, and it made it made more money than the Gigi Allen documentary. Joker made like a billion. The Gigi Allen documentary hated only made like fifty five thousand dollars or something. Well, that's because the actual VHS cassette they <laughs> sold it stunk. <laughs> So the documentary followed Gigi as he was rehearsing with his band, cool. going on tour and playing some shows. Was he ever like nice and in a calm state of mind? Well, was he s- ever friendly or kind to anybody? You see him in the documentary Hated where he's yeah. in the St. Mark's Hotel, which is where we had stayed years ago oh my God. with Aaron Eves and Brian cr- Wagner. That was crazy. And uh, he's sitting on yeah. a bed drinking a bottle of beer and just talking about his philosophy. And he seems like relatively coherent 
for, you know, all things considered. Now, Gigi's last show, which is featured in the uh, Hated documentary, Gigi Allen's last show was on June 27th, 1993, at a small club in the East Village of Manhattan called The Gas Station. Uh, he performed, went up on stage after drinking and doing coke all day with his friend Johnny Puke. <laughs> okay. Hey, guys. How's it going? Son, you're not hanging out with that Johnny Puke again today, are you? <laughs> this is bad news. Did, this, did these guys eat food, or did they just do drugs and shit? Well... <laughs> Gigi looked like he. They don't even to... sound like the guy's smart enough to yeah, eat well, food. What's that called like bloody barf, <laughs> bloody mess, <laughs> hot he... mess. For a guy who had a heroin problem, Gigi was a little bit bigger than you'd expect. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, here's the the way his final ever performance is described. He came out on stage after okay. getting amped all day on coke and you know getting all worked up like a prize fighter before a big match. He mm. uh, came out on stage. He broke a mic immediately. Got in a fight with the sound guy. He punched some audience members out. That's then cool. grand finale shit himself and threw it at the crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, cleared out the 200 people, basically. Even the, the fans of his were like, Ugh. he would clear a room of fans. And then there were like 10 people just like slam dancing around. Uh, the show ended. Nose plugs. Yeah. <laughs> Your plugs, nose plugs, glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Exterminators uh, hazmat suits on. <laughs> They're mosh, mosh pitting or whatever. <laughs> Rock's gotten too safe, man. <laughs> Zip. <laughs> the show ended after three songs uh, when a sort of mini riot broke out. Uh, Gigi ended up outside leading a group of fans through the neighborhood. At one point, he lay down on the street in front of a bus. Uh, cops- I think I've seen this video clip on YouTube, uh, maybe. Mm. There is, is documented. Did there's the a bus kill minute, him? No, uh, no. There's a 13 minute clip on YouTube of him like fleeing the the venue after the show. Right. Mm. I think I've seen. Well, that. And the sun is still out. Yeah, I noticed that too. That's so punk. Like a 4 p.m. show. You don't shit yourself on stage before <laughs> 9 p.m. in my book, right? Oh God. But he matinee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have some, we'll have some eggs Benedict We'll have brunch We'll go to see Gigi Allen uh, Sunday matinee with Gigi Allen <laughs> I'm gonna say this too Before you get to the grand finale And I know you're on your way And this is This is this is the climax This is riveting But also At this point As a person who Slightly agree, agrees With things being edgy And dangerous as fun and you shouldn't get stuck in like rules and and gimmicks and stuff. The shitting finale is a gimmick. He's he, doesn't he think he's become hack in a weird way? It's true. It's like yeah. it's like how when you go to see Gallagher, you know you're going to see the watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's become his shitty pants has become the watermelon. Of, well, even Pete yeah. Townsend after smashing the guitar when he realized that the audience was, was there to see that just to see that he yeah. got tired of it and stopped doing it after a while yeah it was like you know i'm more i'm more than just a guy smashing a guitar maybe Gigi wasn't as smart as pete townsend or uh, as introspective as gallagher yeah, it's like things need to be dangerous <laughs> and anarchy and you know like raw and scary and anyways it's time to shit <laughs> Yeah. It's like feeding seals at a zoo. <laughs> yeah. And also, you don't do it three songs in. You wait till like the, the 12th encore. Song. Yeah, yes, exactly. Encore, yeah. encore, encore, Gigi. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> He's coming back. He's coming back. He's going to shit now. Um, 
So after uh, roaming the streets for like an hour after this chaotic concert, uh, Alan and his 17-year-old girlfriend went back to yeah. Johnny Puke's apartment. They te- oh, God. Teen girls like the bad boys. They, he, he, was, he had a bunch of teenage girls in this video on YouTube when he's fleeing the club uh. who are hanging out with him. Also on his Jerry Springer and Geraldo appearances, he has these girls yeah. who are like, we love him. He's our... I mean... All the theatrics he, the like, kind of met. are stupid, but whatever. Yeah. But if we're, you know, when we get to Evilometer time, I mean, that is really hor- horrible. Like, you know, God only knows what was going on in that. Ruining apartment. teenage girls' yeah. brains so, I mean, and maybe mm-hmm. other, yeah. So at Johnny Puke's Not apartment, good. they go back, they party Johnny more. Puke had an apartment. Yeah, apartment. Oh, <laughs> Congratulations, Johnny Puke. <laughs> this was when New York was a lot cheaper. And, uh, you know, Back guys, then you so could get a one-bedroom apartment just by puking into a bucket <laughs> and giving it to a guy. If you you're, shit in front of your landlord, you get the penthouse suite. You're telling me it's not as nice as the apartment uh, Monica uh, lived in in Friends? Hey, Johnny Puke, it's the first of the month. Where's your bucket of puke for me? <laughs> Hello, Jerry. Hello, Johnny Puke. <laughs> So they're at Johnny Puke's apartment, and they they continue partying. You know, they're in a celebratory mood. Mm. They're uh, celebrating. <laughs> they this, started a riot. This amazing show they did. Uh, <laughs> you know, and they're doing a yeah. lot of heroin. And okay. Gigi's taking a little too much heroin. Okay, so he didn't actually purposely kill himself. He didn't kill himself on stage, but at Johnny Puke's party, <laughs> he did so much heroin. Sometime in the early morning. Of June 28th, Gigi Allen died from the effects of his heroin overdose after his triumphant show. Later that morning, uh, Johnny Puke woke up and before calling for an ambulance, he posed for Polaroids with Gigi's corpse. Uh, Gigi was pronounced dead at the scene when the police arrived. He was two months short of his 37th birthday. Wow, really punk, like... But I have to say... still trying to be cool about it and the guy's dead? Well... Get, yeah. Wait till we get to the funeral. Oh, God. But I have to say, I'm a bit disappointed. And not to be morbid, I'm not a creep. I'm, I don't mean to be morbid. or, But I did get caught up in the ethos of uh, uh, Gigi Allen. I, I, I was there with him a bit, you know. I, I understood his motivations. And I feel like he didn't sell out, but it's a disappointment that he didn't stick to his oh, I'm going to kill myself word. He died by accident. He did. I feel like in in heaven right now, <laughs> Gigi Allen is probably mad yeah. that he did, he didn't get to go out the way he wanted to. He's like a ghost in a Dickens story. And I'm not promoting suicide. Yeah. I don't think anybody should ever. Mm-hmm. I think it's sad that he said he would do that. Mm-hmm. But I was getting wrapped up in his story, and I was kind of weirdly rooting for him. So yeah. from a narrative point of view. From a narrative well, point of view, mm-hmm. of from Gigi's perspective, so, I feel like he got shortchanged by his own heroin overdose. At the end of the documentary, Todd Phillips even says like, I was expecting him to go out in a blaze of glory like he like he promised. Instead, he died just like any rock star. He died like Jimi Hendrix, Janis mm-hmm. Joplin, mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Morrison, basically. Mind you, they probably were in more luxurious circumstances. They didn't die mm-hmm. in Johnny Puke's apartment. No, they died in beautiful hotels in like <laughs> Paris. Paris. Yeah. Yeah. So he's dead. Gigi Allen's dead. Sadly, he passed, Keith passed away. He was so good. His funeral, you guys want to hear about Gigi Allen's funeral. It, it, just like in life, his funeral wasn't typical and wasn't the way okay, most people do it. a little Uh-oh. bit off kilter. So Gigi Allen's funeral took place on July 3rd, 1993 in his native New Hampshire. 
Uh, Littleton, New Hampshire. At his funeral, Allen's bloated, unpreserved corpse was dressed in his black leather jacket and trademark jockstrap. He was buried with a bottle of Jim Beam, as he requested. Um, His friends posed with the corpse. They put drugs and whiskey in his mouth. And his brother put a pair of headphones on him to play his album, The Suicide Sessions. And according to Todd Phillips, who was there... He was? There oh, because he had been filming him and stuff. Yeah, he, he had filmed... Fo- his documentary followed him. Right, Yeah, right, right. but he didn't film this. He claims that there mm. were water sports at the funeral. Quote, The funeral was amazing because they had an open, open casket funeral for the family and Everybody friends. Everybody pissed on him? Then they had the parents and family and friends leave, and they had a party with Gigi's body, weekend at Bernie's style. Merle didn't let me film this. Nobody filmed this, but this is true. A girl literally squatted over him and peed in his mouth while he's lying there, and they're pouring Jim Beam down his mouth. We didn't film that, and I'm kind of glad, actually, because it was crazy. They literally partied until 1 a.m., and the next day they buried him. Did you know that I literally just felt a smidgen of psychosis in my own <laughs> mind listening to that story? <laughs> it's. I think I snapped like, for two seconds and then came back like... Uh, uh. So... Depraved. It is, and I can under like we've talked about. I, it, I, I definitely dark. understand boundary pushing, but this just seems like what planet are all these people from? <laughs> yeah. So let's say Gigi Allen's ghost or spirit is in heaven or hell, most likely hell, and he hopefully hell because he would have liked it to be in hell. And even the devil's G- like, oh, you gotta go, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, you stink. Yeah, like, he put up, he puts out fires with his own shit <laughs> in hell. Like. But he's got his Jim Beam, is what I'm saying, that yeah, they gave him. Yeah. Hopefully, a spirit version of a bottle of Jim Beam is always with him wherever he is in hell. Yeah. Looking up. Okay, so it's, I take it back. He didn't get to go out the way he uh, you know, preached that he would. But looking up from the flames of hell, surrounded by demons, watching a young girl piss in his mouth, I bet you his soul, his spirit was happy. Looking up to the spirit in the sky. <laughs> Pissing in my mouth out right after I die. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, it feels like him and his, well, I guess the people at the funeral are so allergic to any kind of, even the even any little smidgen of earnestness to such a degree that they have to pee on his dead body. Like, like desecrating a corpse is like a, it's like an ancient... Yeah, taboo. Like, like we get yeah. it. You're countercultural. You yeah. can still not. You don't have to like go to these extremes. In my opinion. Yeah. In my opinion. No, I'm. I'm. You know. So they buried him with other people's piss on his corpse. Yes, and then I his, never thought I'd say that out loud. <laughs> Just and in his your grave dreams. was routinely desecrated <laughs> by fans uh, who would come and. Oh. Pee and poo on his grave until his his mom this got annoyed and they had the tomb like the gravestone removed and uh, so his yeah. mom was around still yes and she was like I don't like people yeah, pooing no on kidding. my son's grave so wait God, we now wait. remember we we thought that he was definitely uh, a victim of this abusive relationship with his father mm-hmm. was his conservative ultra religious nut job father alive for all of his punk rock career uh he sort of uh fades out of the picture there's uh, on a certain at a certain point he's just gone after the divorce there's no further mm. uh info about him that i could find if you're listening merle senior get in touch <laughs> at evil men pod yeah absolutely um it's kind of funny you know how there's like a trope in movies where someone finds out that 
their button down parents actually went to Woodstock and smoked yeah. pot. It's like you found out your your button down parents like, yes, I went to that funeral and pooped on the, 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 the <laughs> I bet you wouldn't think this about your uh, boring old man. old man, but I used to poo on Gigi <laughs> Allen's corpse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you know, God. I know what it's like to go through your rebellious phase. You don't know this about your mother, but when I was a teenager, <laughs> I peed into a dead man's mouth. <laughs> really, Mom? Well, that makes me feel a lot better. Wow. Yeah. I At guess least I, I never you were did that. Square. You just found a little bag of weed on me. <laughs> so before we end, I just wanted Eat to... Eat your McDonald's. <laughs> uh, I just wanted I'm to briefly gonna talk... Barf. I, this is what made me sick for real. Oh, to God. talk about the the hated Uh-oh. Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies documentary by Todd Phillips, uh. released in 1993. Yeah, it followed Gigi around his final days uh, as he played these shows. Gigi died dur- during post production of the movie, and yeah, watching this made me feel sick four times because you see so much uh, oh. butt and bathroom stuff. Uh, you do see a girl crouching over his face and peeing in his mouth while he's alive because he apparently liked that. Uh, I don't know. That was the usual for him. <laughs> I mean, here's an interesting thing, though. This ties into yeah, evil were men. His, were his songs even toe tappers? Well, we can talk about the music too because early it sounds like kind of generic, like street punky kind of stuff. Nothing that sticks out too much. By the end, it was just kind of like grindcore barking and stuff and mm. the country songs are fine mm. but it's not like great punk music anyway mm. he was in love with the showman aspect more than the musician aspect yeah okay. but there's a tie-in with evil man episode 12 subject john wayne gacy because Ooh. the film hated uh todd phillips says the film's unofficial executive producer was serial killer john wayne gacy because Gigi Allen had been pen pals with John Wayne Gacy and had even visited Gacy in prison uh, while he was alive. There are probably things we don't know about Gigi Allen that are not in this episode that are like... He, he, was, he wasn't too close to the edge. He was always over the edge. <laughs> like, what the hell? Mm. Well, Todd Phillips knew that John Wayne Gacy liked Gigi Allen, so he asked him if he would paint the movie poster, and John Wayne Gacy agreed, and he painted Gigi Allen. You can Google it and see the painting of Gigi Allen. Uh, Todd Phillips made like a thousand posters. They sold them for $15 each in punk rock fanzines, and they made about $12,000, which Phillips used to fund his documentary. This is the guy that made Will Ferrell a star? (laughs) Yeah, I'm yeah, actually. He I went had, through quite the phase. I had no idea Todd Phillips was that in the like deep punk scene. So he, I don't know if he cared about the music at all, and if he, I mean, he just was Allen, like, what a character. He was subject in New York, matter. I think NYU film school, and was just looking for like a subject for a documentary. Mm, I see. New York is full of freaks, I guess, and he made this documentary. You can see him in the audience on the Geraldo episode where he talks a bit, and he's like. 20 years old or something hmm. about making this movie with Gigi Allen. I remember when the movie came out, you know, but uh, I wasn't interested. I, I learned about Gigi Allen in high school for sure. But <laughs> yeah, it's like I said at the beginning, it was like he was always covered in blood or shit. And then you'd read these stories and it's like, 
Well, I know the story. There's no yeah. reason to investigate any further. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's how I felt too. I, I've, yeah, but like, why would I listen to that music if that's the guy's like yeah. end game? Avengers End Game. Um, <laughs> Gigi attended it's a screening. The Avengers own that word now. <laughs> Gigi attended a screening of Hated uh, days before he died, and uh, while the film was being showed, uh, shown, he uh, was very drunk, and he threw beer bottles at the screen and injured a woman. Uh, the screening stopped, and he had to flee before the police arrived. Uh, apparently, he was happy with how Phillips portrayed him in the movie and gave the director positive feedback and a hug the day after the screening. Oh, okay. Well, he's like, you really he hugged a man. Thank you for showing... Uh, this film of me putting a banana up my butt. <laughs> you held a mirror up to my butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's the story of Gigi Allen. I, I, I did think this would be more celebratory and funny. Oh, no, but I seem to have made us all sad. No, no, I'm not sad. I just disgusted. Yeah, me too. And But you did a great job, Mike. Well, thank you, James. And our rock and roll fan listeners will, I'm sure, be very happy to have learned about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, check out some of the music. It's not not for me. Um, lyrics are very bad. Uh, it's bad sentiments <laughs> all around. Do you like um, Red Hot Chili Peppers lyrics better? Yes. Compared to <laughs> Gigi Allen, Anthony Kiedis is like uh, Robbie Burns. <laughs> We were listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers before we recorded, and uh, right, Mike was uh, underlining the the Red Hot Chili Peppers lyric, simultaneous release. (laughs) What a line. Yeah. Well, um, I think it's maybe time to get the evilometer. Oh, God, I think it's in the toilet for this one. I have to pull it out of the toilet. Let's open the window. It's not, yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh, here it is. P.U. All right. We've got the evilometer here. What to give Mr. G.G. Allen (laughs) out of 10? Hmm. Either of you guys ready? Or uh, I can go if you need a moment. Chris, why don't you go? You go first. I don't... It doesn't sound like we know really (laughs) a lot of the illegal stuff he did. Yeah. I think we know quite a bit of the illegal stuff So. Do you think maybe he killed someone? No, but like... Certainly it sounds like some underage, very bad things going on, at least one might think. So I'm going to say six Mm. for the the molesting, accosting at his concerts. And uh, I'm not privy to a lot of information in that regard. I can assume it's terrible... And I feel bad for probably everybody that went to his concerts, but especially if people were like, you know, assaulted and molested and all that kind of crap. And yeah, you're right. Underage girls with maybe like a bad punk attitude went and got more than they ever wanted to bargain mm-hmm. for from this fucking creep. But still, he's not like you know, a murderer or a world leader who right. kills like millions of people. He's not in the people. top tier, no. He's not even like a serial killer. So no. I would say six for his bad influence and for what he for sure probably did to a lot of his fans. I like that. Um, yeah, I'll say 5.5. Like you say, he's not a truly, you know, he's not an ultimate 
heinous figure, but the things we know that uh, there's probably the surface, certain things we right? know that sound pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also, I just really don't like the vibe. Scatological. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind a bit here and there, but this guy is taking it to the limit. Mike? Every matinee, he has to pull it out. <laughs> oh God! Another matinee show. Get the X-lax. Um I'll give him like an eight point five. Okay, a high eight point five. It, yeah, he's a violent psychopath uh, uh, dummy. I think he's just a. There was something. I'm gonna say it. There was something wrong with the guy. Mm. I think there's something wrong with him. Seems that way. And I don't know what he was even trying to his manifesto or his mission statement was to like make rock and roll dangerous again but like even if he did look back to elvis presley or billy <laughs> the comets there was nothing that i mean people were parents may have been scared of elvis because he swiveled his hips mm. but that's all he did he didn't um Fun fact, Elvis was trying to wiggle out of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, there is just this sense that Gigi Allen wasn't doing something as smart as he thought it was. Uh, yeah, the dumbness. Yeah. I think he yeah, it's took... not just the crassness, but the dumbness is, what, is what's making me feel dark well, he, with this one. He thought he could ch- change society through, I mean, truly? Or he wanted to truly change society by playing to 75 people in a basement? Um, Mm. He should have gotten into politics. Still, 75 yeah. still good numbers. Well, yeah. isn't New Hampshire an important uh, state the for the primaries? Yeah. So he's already in a great location to change things uh, from, from that point of view. So I don't it's, know. I think he took the wrong path. Yeah. And he, that's, maybe he typifies that a type of thinking that maybe doesn't exist anymore, but people were of a certain era were uh, terrified of selling out. <laughs> so he was so committed to not selling out that he... He like took himself out of the game, basically. That's right. It feels like that's not a thing anymore. Nobody's worried about not selling. Like, a if GG anything, Allen today would have a sponsorship with Nike. Yeah, he'd yeah. have. He'd be doing ads for Google. If anything, it seems to be a point of pride to sell out for a lot of artists, uh, music artists now. You yeah. know. Oh yeah, that same uh, uh, ethic is not existent anymore. But here, I wanted to ask you guys something. I mean, Sonar gives us millions, and yeah. we were happy to do it. Oh, God. Yeah, I just right think away. He was a dumb, uh, more than anything, a dumb guy who took seriously the idea that like rock music in the 90s could change society. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So you think he's really evil because of how dumb he is? Well, no, also the, the truly bad things he did. And one, here's one sad thing. Um, just before he died, I didn't bring this up. Gigi had talked to a friend about how he was looking forward to doing a spoken word tour of Europe because he had never seen Europe and he wanted to. So he never got to see the Eiffel Tower or the Brandenburg Gate. I would like to. Or the Thames at sunset. Yeah, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I wonder if he would have liked Europe. It's a question we'll never know, sadly. Yeah. Well, different type of toilets uh, back in yeah, those days. Yeah, sure. You know? Bidets are far more common Yeah, he would have there. been... And his mind blown. Imagine him in Australia. Oh, He no. would have gone up to one of those public urinals in Paris and been like, look at me, everybody. I'm pissing in front of everybody. And the French would be like, uh, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> <laughs> Another typical que, American. Yeah, <laughs> qu'est-ce que tu penses, hein? <laughs> Uh, yeah. You're good at French, hey, Chris? I didn't know. No, no. 
Yes, yes. Est-ce que je peux aller à la toilette, yes. Monsieur Gigi <laughs> I feel like Europeans wouldn't have been nearly as scandalized as Americans. They would have just been like, yeah, what? Artists yeah. have been doing this here for like a hundred years. Yeah, they've already seen all these black and white films or whatever. You kind of need the, yeah, the, the uptight... Uh, Christianity of well, America. Which I guess but, he was rebelling against probably yeah. with his mean dad. But Good him, work, Gigi. Imagine him becoming like an F. Scott Fitzgerald or James Joyce type who just holes up in Paris and <laughs> creates some of his best work there. <laughs> he creates new ways to poo. I feel like he would have been actually agitated by being encouraged in an actual artistic scene that yeah. didn't, didn't give a shit. Yeah. He'd be like, uh, how do I, you know what I mean? Yep. Well, thanks so much, Mike, for uh, doing the research on this shit-ridden, bloody bastard. <laughs> My pleasure, <Chris>. Gigi Allen. <laughs> yeah, any, yeah, it was great. It was just another fine, fine, stinky episode of <laughs> Evil Men. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 